There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com. Your weekend home for all things sport. This is The Grill on Dubai Eye 103.8. Live from Barasti. Here's Tom Urquhart. No goal to report just yet in the 7 o'clocks, but as they go in, we will let you know about them. Allows us to just confirm some team news for you. Uh, Liverpool have just kicked off against Brighton and Hove Albion. Uh, let's hear from the Liverpool manager. He obviously has been talking about and obviously has been showing concern about the injury to Fabinho midweek, which will see him out of contention for the rest of the season. Oh, yes. Of course, that's absolutely bad news. Nothing good to say about that. So, um... Uh, about a time um, frame or how long it will take, we, we, we are not sure 100%, but it looks pretty sure that he will not be involved uh, in the uh, in the Christmas fixtures, let me say like this, so that obviously takes a while. Um, yeah, that was the whole night after the game, probably everybody in the interviews, nobody asked me about that, and um, that was my main problem immediately after the game. But meanwhile, it's, uh, we know it's in two days roundabout, and um, we have, of course, solutions for that, for the position. For, we have to replace him, we can replace him. We played without him, played good without him, that's all okay. But now it's important that he gets doing the right things, and then we'll be back as soon as possible. And um, until then, yes, we have to find solutions. That's always, we are not the only team, we have to have injured players. So um, that's what we have to deal with now, and we, and we will. Those are the thoughts of Jurgen Klopp's who's he picked, Mark Archer. Yeah, seven minutes gone at Anfield. It's still 0-0 with uh, Brighton, Hove, Albion and Liverpool. I can tell you that Jurgen Klopp, he's reacted to Liverpool's uh, midweek draw in the Champions League against Napoli by making three changes. Of course, he just talked about Firmino injured, so he's not playing. And defender Joe Gomez and James Milner also dropped to the bench. Returning to the side, Wijnaldum, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and Trent Alexander-Arnold. So it's in goal, of course, their star Brazilian Alisson. Robertson on the left, Alexander-Arnold on the right, and centre-back pairing of Van Dijk and Lovren. Oxlade-Chamberlain, Van Alden and Henderson are your sort of midfield three. Sadio Mane on the, on, the, on the left, for me, the best player in the Premier League this season. Firmino uh, up front playing link man, and Mo Salah, the Egyptian star, on the right. Uh, they will be taking on Brighton Hove Albion this afternoon under the stewardship of Mr Graham Potter, who this week signed a contract extension now ordinarily that would be joy that would uh, be welcomed by a massive thanks and a big smile not so graham a bit surprised of course very surprised um very pleased and then it's just a formality of you know agreeing everything but it's um yeah great great sign from the club that uh, they, they believe in, in in the start of what we've been doing and um we've, we've still got a lot to do you know from my perspective it's a little bit strange because we haven't done anything you know in my mind we've still got a lot to do so and we're still at the start but it, it provides a bit of stability and um and we're looking forward to carrying on what did you say to the chairman when he said he wanted to extend your contract i was uh pretty much oh okay uh, uh th- thanks and um yeah okay like you say it was not too much to think about to be fair i mean we've had a great um uh, a, a great uh, welcome here. Uh, nice feeling the club. Nice feeling the 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 city. Um, it's it's a big responsibility, but um, one we're looking forward to carrying on. So it's not too much uh, for me to think about. It's it's more yeah a little bit a little bit surprised and um, and and of course happy. 
I love that interview. <laughs> it gives us so much to talk about. Uh, does that is that just the perfect insight to the current state of affairs and the longevity of Premier League <laughs> managers? That when a manager get given or offered an extension, he goes. You're having a laugh, aren't you? Yeah, and that kind of sums up Graham a little bit as well. But he's probably not articulated that as well as I know Graham could <laughs> because he sounds as almost like he's the little kid that's won the golden ticket to the Willy Wonka's Chocolate Factory. But what Graham is, and I think what he's getting at, and again, uh, you know, having known and spoken to Graham for a long time now, he is someone who, what he's trying to say, I think, is, you know, my standards are exact and my standards are set we ain't there yet and I'm a bit surprised by all of that but he'll take it of course because as Mark Archer said as I arrived this afternoon if it doesn't go well over the next few months he's in for one heck of a payoff is Graham and his coaching staff in fairness but they've done a, they've done a good job a lot of Brighton fans out there will tell you they're excited about what they've seen it's still very much in its nascent stage exciting nonetheless who's he gone for? yeah he's named a, a very I think a compact side is what he's done today. You're never going to be open against Liverpool and it'd be foolhardy to do just that. Matthew Ryan, the Aussie, he starts in goals. It's a back four as he's tended to go with this season. He has played back threes on occasion. Martin Montoya, the former Barcelona man at right back. Dan Byrne, the big six foot seven left back. It's then Lewis Dunk and Adam Webster, the £22 million signing in the summer from Bristol City. Midfield three of Ease Busama. You've got Dale Stevens and Davy Proper, the Dutchman. Uh, Aaron Moy tucking in, Pascal Grosch tucking in, and then it's the lone front man, a young man that I know Graham is a huge fan of. I know Graham feels he might be the next one to go on to bigger and better things from Graham Potter's stable. Of course, we saw Dan James do likewise at Swansea onto Manchester United. That man is Aaron Connolly. He is keeping out the club's all-time record uh, signing in Neil Mopé. He leads the line. We're, what, 11 minutes in, and I've got to say, Brighton, I've done not too bad so far, 0-0 no still. Atlanta have taken the uh, early lead, first half lead, uh, against their opponents and their host Brescia this afternoon, early, early game uh, of the, early, the first kickoff in the Serie A fixtures today. Mario Palacic, the man on the score sheet after 26 minutes. That big goals in the Bundesliga, we'll get onto those for you in just a few moments' time. In fact, uh, let's just have a little look at those because um, you want to be on the away wins on the pools today, don't you? You, you certainly do, Tom. Yeah, let's start with, uh, I can tell you, Cologne and Augsburg. That's still 0-0 after 42 minutes. Jürgen Klinsmann making a return to the dugout. Yeah, Jürgen is back. He took charge midweek of Hertha Berlin, a club, of course, that he's got close ties to. His father was a supporter as a wee boy of Hertha Berlin. His son, Jonathan, was on the books there. He got a summer move to FC Gallen over in Switzerland. So Jürgen Klinsmann is back. It's not really working out that way, though. 40 minutes on the clock over in the German capital. I can tell you it's Hertha Berlin 1, Borussia Dortmund 2. The big news line out of that one is that Jadon Sancho, uh, the English winger, back in Lucien Favre's starting 11. He scored the opener. Thorgan Hazard, the brother of Eden, he doubled the advantage. They were 2-0 up after 17 minutes. Vladimir Darida has pulled one back for Hertha, so it's 2-1 there. Paderborn, every time I'm sat here, I'm talking about RB Leipzig. 42 minutes on the clock. Paderborn, nil. RB Leipzig, three. I can tell you as well, Jürgen Nagelsmann has done a great job there as someone who will go on Julian Nagelsmann to bigger and better things. They lead 3-0 to RB Leipzig. 
Leipzig, the side managed by Nagelsmann. Hoffenheim, his former side, they lead Fortuna Dusseldorf by a goal to nil. The late kickoff this evening, a big clash this in German football. It is Bayern München, Bayern Munich taking on Bayer Leverkusen. That one is off at 9.30. Let's get back to the Premier League, shall we? Because uh, we've got plenty to talk about. No goals to report just as yet. But as I said, as soon as they go in, we'll let you know. Uh, but there is another game that we haven't really addressed, and that is Tottenham Hotspur against Bournemouth. Uh, let's hear from Jose first. Obviously, uh, a week or so in the job. Uh, how's the voice, Jose? Is the voice struggling a little bit? Always in pre-season. Uh, when I am on the holiday for about one, two months without uh, the high volume voice all the time, when I go to pre-season, always happen to me. And this is my pre-season. Uh, and I had a long holiday. It was not the normal holiday of a month. It was a holiday of 11 months. So now I'm struggling a little bit, but next week, you know, I, I gave my my voice enough training and next week I'll be fine. <laughs> He's brilliant, isn't he? He's he is just brilliant. box office, isn't he? Uh, I love the fact that, you know, today in his match day notes, he's about, look, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's not about me. It's about the club. It's all about the club. Um, and yet, you know, press conferences, the walkout onto the field, the positions he takes out there as well, and the drama he's brought in just, what, seven days. That comeback for Spurs midweek, extraordinary uh, for the Spurs team. And, and again, um, you can't take anything away from him. The special one is back, or we'll call him the husky one, but he's made three changes to the side that beat Olympiakos in the Champions League. Uh, Tangay, Nodambeli, Nusa Sissoko both come into the midfield, and Jan Vertonghen returns for his first start since the mid-October. Spurs hoping to win back-to-back Premier League matches for the first time since April. I can tell you that Gaza is in goal. Gaza Niga. Back four of Vertonghen, Sanchez, Alderweireld, and Aurier. Uh, Dyer and Nottingham will protect the back four. Sun on the on the left hand side, Deli Ali in the middle, Sissoko on the right, and the, and the target man, of course, the the big man up front, uh, Kane will be the man trying to score some goals. As a West Ham fan, I can tell you, we take Gaza in goal at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> he would be an he would be an upgrade on Roberto, wouldn't he? Uh, what about uh, Eddie Howe? Uh, he is looking. Well, he's been uh, looking to, um, aren't we all, Eddie, but apparently he's looking to achieve his ambitions. I think for me to answer that question and, and say, yeah, there's a glass ceiling on it, I think would be hugely damaging to my players, you know, mm. to hear me say that. So absolutely not. Um, I always have the, the kind of mindset and approach to my work and to life, really, that you can achieve anything if you work hard enough. And if you truly believe that you can do it, then you can. Um, and that's never changed. I always say people would have put a glass ceiling on us in the championship. They would have put a glass ceiling on us ne- never being able to get to the Premier League. We've done all those things. And now we're fighting and playing to try and create new memories at the top of the Premier League or towards the top of the Premier League. And that we have to believe we can do it. And that's my message to my players. He's looking to shatter ceilings left, right and centre. So who's he picked to that end? Yeah, I can tell you, Tom and Eddie, how what a job he's done. I've said that yeah. time and time again at Bournemouth. He has made four changes from the side that lost to Wolves last Saturday. Simon Francis and Philip Billing, they are both suspended. Harry Wilson and Adam Smith, they drop out. We've got Dominic Solanke getting a start. The young English striker who really hasn't kicked 
kicked on since his big money move from Liverpool Football Club. Jefferson Lerma, he comes back into the midfield. Arnu Danjuma, eh, Groneveld and Jack Stacey all start. So the Bournemouth starting 11 is as follows. It's a bit of a bold one, this. Ramsdale in goals, he's cemented his place as Bournemouth's number one. Stacey right back, Rico, Diego Rico, that is the left back. He's in, eh, in place of Charlie Daniels, who remains injured. You've got Steve Cook and Nathan Ake. It's then the two wingers of Danjuma Groneveld on the left, Ryan Fraser on the right, Lerma and Lewis Cook, the young English former Leeds midfielder. And then up top, it is Dominic Solanke, the big man, and he's got the whippet, Callum Wilson, alongside him. So Bournemouth have been bold for this one. It is Spurs, Bournemouth. It is still 0-0. And a quick word on Josie. You may recall in midweek, you were right, there were 2-0 down inside 15 minutes. We've got a, oh! Yeah, we've got a goal. First goal of the day. And I can tell you it comes at Anfield and, well, time and time again, set pieces have long been Graham Potter and his side's Achilles heel, whether that's Ostershoons, whether it's Swansea, whether it's Brighton, they do not do set pieces well. They don't defend them well enough for me. And it is a set piece that has led to the opening goal, not just at Anfield, the opening goal across the Premier League this afternoon. It's swung in from the right. It's Trent Alexander-Arnold. He has found the big man, Virgil van Dijk. He gets above Adam Webster. Now, Adam Webster, my mate of course is a big fan of Adam Webster, it was he that scouted him, it was he that they said they needed to spend £22 million on him, I'm not sure yet and I hope he's not listening because I've ruined a friendship if he is, he was not great at Chelsea a few weeks back, he made the mistake that led to Chelsea's opening goal, he's not great here either, he gets caught under the flight of the ball, Virgil van Dijk picks it up early, he peels off Webster and it's the easiest of tasks, just uses those head muscles, the neck muscles into the far corner, Matt Ryan no chance, Liverpool, they'll break you open, they'll score wonder goals and when they're capable of scoring set pieces as well, give them the Premier League title now, it's Liverpool 1, Brighton 0. We'll take a short break, when we come back let's talk cricket. This is The Grill, live from Barasti, where the game is always on. Got goals going in left, right and centre. Yeah, we do. We've got another one. It comes at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Oh, and I'm gutted, Tom. I put him in my fantasy today and I took him out. I bottled it. It's Deli Ali, who is looking like a man reborn under Jose Mourinho. It's he that has opened the scoring. He's now playing as he has done, he's behind Harry Kane, he's not dropping in to the double pivot, he's not dropping deep, Jose wants him as far up the field as he possibly can, and it is he that has got the goal for Tottenham, they lead Bournemouth by a goal to nil, Deli Alley can do no wrong right now under Jose, Jose's found the real Deli Alley, it's Spurs 1, Bournemouth nil. Aberdeen and Hibbs have both taken the lead up in Scotland, uh, north of the border, they're playing St Mirren and Kilmarnock respectively at the moment, uh, there are goals going in the Championship, we'll bring you up to date with those a little later on in proceedings uh, continues to be something of a goal fest down uh, in Germany at present as well Bundesliga we're seeing goals flying in left right and centre usually for the away team as well Augsburg now taking yeah. the lead against Köln as well yeah they've taken the lead so from the 6.30pm kickoffs Augsburg away side lead Borussia Dortmund away side lead RB Leipzig away side lead the only side that is keeping up appearances for the teams at home 
is Hoffenheim. They lead Fortuna Dusseldorf by a goal to nil. Mario Pasalic has just scored his second of the game to see Atalanta extend their lead to two goals to nil against their host Brescia uh, into the 62nd minute, 64th minute, I should say, in that one over in Italy. Let's get to the cricket now. Mark Archer has been, well, he's got his stumps reports. Yeah, test cricket down under, of course, two test matches uh, underway. It's the second test match in Adelaide, Australia taking on Pakistan and also across in New Zealand in Hamilton. New Zealand are facing England in the second test match. Let's start in Australia because it's been a run fest there. The Aussies day-night cricket uh, test match. It's the pink ball and the Aussies are, are taking no prisoners with Pakistan. They've compiled a massive 589 for three declared and Pakistan have been woeful. They've been hapless. Oh, They're slumping. Hello. We have another goal. And it's the same combination again, Mark Archer. Mark Archer is delighted. His fantasy football team is flourishing. This time it's a corner. I said set pieces, people. I'm not lying to you. Brighton and Hove Albion, I hate to say it. Graham Potter, if he's got one Achilles heel, it's set pieces. His teams just do not defend them well enough. It's Liverpool 2, Brighton and Hove Albion 0. It was a free kick moments ago. It was delivered from Trent Alexander-Arnold to the head of Virgil van Dijk. It's a corner this time. It's an absolute beaut as well, but it's Van Dyke against Webster once again. It's whipped in from the left-hand side. In fact, it's not Webster. Don't want to be too harsh on Webster. It's Lewis Dunk, of all people. Lewis Dunk, who gets the run, and it's Virgil van Dyke. It's a bullet header, and Virgil van Dyke, the best centre-half in the world right now, he's on a hat-trick. 24 minutes gone, a bullet header past Matt Ryan. High fives all round. Liverpool fans cheering. Why? Well, if this stays the same, and it's going to, let's be frank, Liverpool 11 points clear of the defending champions, Man City. 11 points clear of Leicester City, having played a game more. Leicester, they take on Everton tomorrow. Liverpool are, well, they're cruising, is what they are. 26 minutes on the clock, 25, sorry, on on the clock, it's Liverpool 2, Brighton and Hove Albion nil. Runfest, isn't it? Yeah, Liverpool on fire, Virgil van Dijk on fire. I tell you who's on fire earlier today. Davy Warner, 335 not out uh, for Australia in that massive score of 589 for three. Pakistan, as I was saying before, Virgil van Dijk scored a second, have been hapless. They've been woeful. 96 for six at stumps. But uh, the David Warner, uh, unbelievably epic innings. The first triple century ever at the Adelaide Overall. The wow. second highest score ever as for an Australian Test cricketer. That surpassed Sir Don Bradman and Mark Taylor's top scores of 334. He's only behind Matthew Hayden with 380. And it did, like, did look for much of the day. He might even threaten Brian Lara's record a Test score of 400 not out before uh, the Aussies took pity. Tim Payne took pity on Pakistan and declared. But just let's have a quick listen. We've got another goal. There's more action coming from Premier League football. Yeah, 2-0 at Anfield. It's now 2-0 at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. And I think that's Davinson Sanchez. The big Colombian has doubled Spurs' advantage. Jose Mourinho can do no wrong. Deli Ali a few moments ago. This time another corner comes in. It eventually comes out to the edge of the box. I think it's a wonderful feat from Musa Sissoko. He gets the shot off. It's deflected. It falls to the big Colombian centre-half, Davinson Sanchez. Easy task. Ramsdale, no chance. Spurs 2 Bournemouth now, nil. That will be three wins from three for Josie. He's proving he's a bit special <laughs> after all. And we're going to get to these cricket highlights before another goal goes in. But a massive <laughs> score today. Australia, 589 for three. Manus Labuschagne, 162 he scored. But David Warner, 335. Let's listen to the a action from the Adelaide Oval. Welcome to the second day's play of the second test from the Adelaide Oval. Australia versus Pakistan. 
Australian opener, David Warner, out in the middle with Manus Labuschagne. Immediately a single to Warner, and that brings up a 300-run partnership between these two. This time he advances and just mows it away down the ground. Not his prettiest shot, but more runs. Tucked around the corner, Manus Labuschagne, 150. Straight through him. Labuschagne has his stump knocked out of the ground. And finally, Pakistan break the partnership at 361. Come on! Immediately calls him through. 200 for David Warner. What an innings. What a player. Simply brilliant. Oh, shot. You could hear it straight off the bat, couldn't you? It just went bang. A, oh, hello. That's nearly out of the ground. That's how big that is. Oh, that's nearly got into Wayne Flipper's hands out the back, that one. Confidently oh. driven from Matty Wade. He's starting to really hit his straps now. He's just whacked. The only way to describe it from Warner. And that's all the way, Howie. That's first, a big Dorothy. He's first of the inning, Shane, after 37 boundaries. There it is. Past Don Bradman. Past Mark Taylor. He's now got the second highest for an Australian. Yeah, Australia massive score today. 589 for three declared. David Warner, the star. 335 not out. He hit 39 fours. He hit one six. It's uh, the second highest score by a test cricketer for Australia. Uh, he overtook Don Bradman and Mark Taylor's top scores of 334. This is what David Warner had to say at Stumps. Happy to get out to another no ball. <laughs> yeah, look, I don't know. What, I don't really know what to say. It really hasn't sunk in, um, to be honest. You know, I as a kid, you dream about getting a bag of green in your first test run, then your first test hundred, and so on. And I know that you know that double double hundred sort of was uh, in a distance um, from me achieving that, and I managed to get that at uh, the Wacker. But today, you know, it just sort of sunk into me that. It's very rare that you get these opportunities, um, you know, given that there's still a lot of time left in the game and looking up at the scoreboard and I think there was a time where it was like 71 overs to go still and I was, I think, on 250-odd, I think it was. I was like, this is probably a chance I'm probably never going to get, you know, especially here at Adelaide Oval, the pink ball. You know, I think, you know, I'll cherish this moment for the rest of my life, definitely. But to to achieve, you know, passing Sir Donald Bradman's you know, highest test score. You know, you look at it as a kid um, growing up and thinking, who who is ever going to beat that in general? And then, you know, obviously Brian Lara goes on and gets 400. Um, made that look easy. And then, you know, you had Matthew Hayden get 380. Obviously Tubby um, against Pakistan, he equaled um, Don Bradman. I thought Michael Clark uh, might have passed it there, but he declared. And, yeah, it's something that in the back of your mind you never think you're ever going to get yourself, definitely. Uh, but when you've got an opportunity like that, you, you obviously try your best to try and see how good you are against uh, the greatest that we've um, ever had. Yeah, David Warner, absolutely brilliant today. 335 not out. As good as he was, this is how poor Pakistan were. Absolutely useless. 96 <laughs> for 6 at Stumps. Baba Azam scored 43 of them. He's not out. He's the only player in the Pakistan batting lineup standing up to the challenge. Mitchell Stark, 4 for 22. Let's listen to the lowlights of the Pakistan innings. 
Edge taken! First wicket falls and it goes to David Warner. Well, Mitchell Stark with his tail up. That's 150 clicks. That junior is a fajita. That is a fajita. It's the... Edge. Is it? It is. Stephen Smith gives it the nod. And it carries. And Pat Cummins gets his first tonight. Yeah. Edge gone. Hazelwood now in the wickets. Three down, Pakistan. That's the reward for persistent line and length. Quality bowling. Just get the backward point in. Edge this time. Payne does the rest. That's the end of Asad Shafiq. Well, Stark gets his second and Pakistan lose their fourth. That's a good one. A beautiful catch from Tim Payne. You had the feeling that it's worked for the Aussies. There's one moment I was watching in this game. I don't know if you've seen it. It's doing the rounds on Twitter at the moment. Uh, basically under the title, I think this pretty much sums up Pakistan's day. And it's one of their big, lanky, fast bowlers chasing down a cover drive during the Australian innings. As he approaches the, uh, the, 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 um, the, the boundary rope, he basically trips over his own two feet and in so doing kicks the ball over the rope. And <laughs> just stands there. The rest of the team just standing there going... What? The ball's literally at a sort of step. The, the ball's not even racing away. The ball's stood there. He trips over his own two feet, kicks it over, and everyone's just stood there with their hands on the hips. I mean, poor. They've just been poor. Oh, Pakistan, when they're good, they're very good. And when they're, when they're poor, they're absolutely terrible. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, they had the opportunity. It's, it's a day-night match. The pink ball it should be nipping around a bit. They couldn't take any wickets. Australia, what sort of score is that? 589 for three declared with the pink <laughs> ball which is supposed to sort of bring plenty of action it's going to nip around it's difficult to play as a batsman but they just couldn't put it on the right line and length and then to go out there and the pink ball was just swinging around for the Aussies Mitchell Stark four for 22 96 for six it's just so one-sided it's just not much fun to even watch so but uh, after the break time we'll come back and talk, talk about the second test match in Hamilton New Zealand giving England a bit of a hard time in that series. Yeah, we'll definitely have a quick chat about that in a few moments' time. Just before we go to that break, a bit of clarification, if we can, because we did report uh, that Spurs had scored their second. Yeah, as is the case now with VAR, you, you never know really yeah. where you stand. It has been ruled out, however. VAR boys, they got involved. So Spurs, their lead remains just the solitary goal from Delhi Alley. The VAR boys spotting an infringement. In fact, it was ruled out. The ball does indeed it hit Davinson Sanchez's hand in the build-up to him, slamming the ball home. So clearly accidental, but of course, under the rules introduced this season, it has to be chalked off because despite the fact you can have deliberate or not, if it hits any part of the attacker's hand in the build-up to a goal, it's an automatic free kick. So it's Spurs 1, Bournemouth 0. Let's take a breather. When we come back, we'll have more for you. Uh, this is The Grill live from Barasti. This is The Grill. Join the conversation. Text 4001 or message us for free on the Dubai Eye app. Indeed, it is game on down here at Barasti, where we are watching first half of the 7 o'clock kickoffs in the Premier League. Uh, I think we got you up to date, haven't we? We've got goals up at uh, Anfield, Liverpool leading comfortably. Yeah, they are indeed leading comfortably. 37 minutes on the clock, 36 in actual fact, on the clock as we see a big chance. Oh, Brighton. Oh, Lewis Dunk, what a chance that is. The flag stayed down, he, he knows it as well. Oh, 
it's easier to hit the target, Lewis, and he's put it past the post. Yeah, Liverpool, they do lead by two goals to nil, and it's Virgil van Dijk, not once, but twice. Trent Alexander-Arnold, not once, but twice creating it as well. It was a free kick in the first instance. Virgil van Dijk at the back post, getting above Adam Webster, his marker. And then a few minutes later, corner from the left, again delivered by Trent Alexander-Arnold, and it was powered hit home this time. It was uh, Virgil van Dijk getting the better this time of Lewis Dunk, the man who has just missed... A bit of a sitter. Shinned it, didn't he? Oh, it's, I tell you, it's a great chance. It's swinged in from the left-hand side from Dan Byrne. Doesn't help with Dan. Oh, it's his own player is, gets in the way, though, isn't what's it? What's he doing, though? Oh, Two of them could have scored. Chance. I think the, the first one was offside. Lewis Dunk wasn't. That's a big chance to bring Brighton back into this one. As it stands, though, eight minutes from half-time, if you are just tuning in, it's Liverpool 2, Brighton and Hove Albion 0. Spurs lead uh, Bournemouth by one goal to nil. They've had one chalked off for VAR as well. Mark Archer, New Zealand against England. You can yeah. have this one. Well, I can tell you what, the uh, the match in Australia, Adelaide, will be all over in day three, so there will be a match test match continuing uh, over, over the weekend. Second test match in Hamilton, New Zealand facing England. Big win for New Zealand in that first test match in Tauranga last weekend. They, New Zealand defeated England by innings and 65 runs, a thrashing, and they're on top, I think, after day two at Stumps. New Zealand batting with 300, dismissed earlier for 375. Tom Latham with 105. BJ Watling with 53. Daryl Mitchell on debut with 73. Tom, here's the triv question for you. I'm going to give you 30 seconds to figure this out. Who is Daryl Mitchell the son of? And I'll come back to you in a second Jody. with that. No, Daryl Mitchell, the son of famous, uh, I'll give you a rugby player, more known as a rugby, rugby coach. Uh, come back after England, 39 for two at stumps. So New Zealand in command. Let's just have a quick listen to the wickets, the England wickets to fall. Oh, gone surely, yes. The finger goes up. It was full, it was angling in. Sibley will have a chat with Burns. They'll have a chat about the review and the question will be, was it sneaking down, Rory? Rory says no. Edged, and Watling takes it. Beautiful delivery from Matt Henry. That is a good low catch from the wicketkeeper too. Deadly gone. So, yes, England 39 for two at Stumps. Uh, New Zealand 375 earlier today. Daryl Mitchell scored 73 on debut. Tom is now Googling to find out who the son of Daryl Mitchell is. John Mitchell, England defensive coach, All Blacks coach. Daryl Mitchell, his son, is uh, on debut for the, for the Black Caps. He scored 73. So England 39 for two. A lot of question marks after that big win last week about the England, the captaincy, the form of Joe Root. Joe Root doesn't seem to think there's any problem with his captaincy or the form of England. This is what Joe Root said a few days ago after that massive defeat in Tauranga. It seems to me like you think I am under pressure. But no, no I think that it's a challenge out here. We, we found ourselves on a very flat wicket and against a good side that have played well. And you know, we'll continue to keep trying to find ways of, of making inroads on, on surfaces like this. Again, credit has to go to, to two guys that played really well. And, and it just highlights the fact that when we do get chances in the game, whether it be in the field or with the bat that we have to take them and we have to drive the game forward and make advantage of, of what was some really good hard work on the first day. Does this feel like a good lesson for the many young players you've got on your side? Look, this is how you do it. In many ways, yeah, definitely. Um, and I think the most important thing for them is to not look too deeply into this and not get too down about it um, and get too frustrated. And, and almost the, the, the fatigue that goes with being in the field for 200 days, the emotion that goes with that, take that into the next game I think being very clear drawing a line under it understanding how how things have gone and where we can make little improvements but also being aware of the good stuff that we've done and that we have made a quite a big shift and mental approach to how we want to play our cricket and give that time to work.
um, and and be patient with that. And you know, I feel like we we're not far away. We're not far away at all. But um, you know, we're going to have to continue to keep working hard and make sure that we're doing everything we can, um, you know, to follow that through. Well, I'm not sure what Joe, what match Joe Root was playing in or watching because he doesn't think there's a big uh, problem with the England team. They lost that first match by innings and 65 runs. They're behind after day two. They're talking about the captaincy. Well, Ben Stokes reckons, well, there's no one else to captain the team, so it better be Joe Root. Yeah, he's fine. You know, he's, you know, he's Joe Root. He is England captain. There's no one else to do it. You know, he knows that he's got the backing of everybody in the changing room from players to backroom staff and management. And that's the main thing that counts for, for us as players. We're a very tight-knit group and he knows that Everybody in that changing room 100% backs him, as I do. So Joe, Root, no problem with Joe Root. Ben Stokes has got, has got his back. I tell you what, though, the media are starting to get get out at Joe Root and give him a, give him a, give him a bit of truth because he's, I think yeah. he's fooling himself a bit. This is what Alex Stewart had to say. He reckons Joe Root's actually delusional. Uh, Joe Root saying we mustn't look too deeply into what's gone wrong here. We are going to take a little bit of time to get it all together, and then we'll make rapid improvements. I'm confused. Yes, I am, Charles. Listen, I'll sit in this seat and defend the players when I think I can do because I know how difficult it is. But I'm sorry, this defeat, the size of the defeat, the way they played or didn't play, I can't defend it. You know, today to lose by an innings and 65 runs on a surface, fifth day surface, it wasn't really that tough. For Wagner, good bowler, but to get five wickets and a bowl you out, not good enough. Uh if we'd been spun out by the left-arm spinner on a wearing pitch, that that's, that would be fine. But but Wagner isn't that. I mean, he is no. just, uh, you know, he's, he's a perfectly decent bowler, but, you know, but he's not a devastating You one. know what Wagner's going to do? He's a nose and toes bowler, as I call it. He's either going to try and hit you on the head or hit, hit you on the toe. So you know that. I sat here yesterday and said, Santner, we shouldn't have to worry about him. And he didn't pick a wicket up today. So the mode of the defeat doesn't sit comfortably with me at all. The fact that we lost 728 today, we lost, we got bowled out in 53.4 overs effectively, lost those seven wickets for 53.4 overs. New Zealand, they batted for 201 overs in one innings, in two efforts, England only batted for 220. Not good enough. I take a lot of those points on board. I, I think, you know, Ben Stokes' point about the fact that Joe Root is Joe Root and he's one of England's best and he, he wants to be, he should be in the team. Of course he should be in the team. I've just got some major issues about Joe Root's nous, his captaincy nous, the decisions he makes on the field and off the field, starting with the ones on the field. number of times that you will see Joe Root turning to Ben Stokes at second slip and saying, do you think this is the right thing? Do you think that's the right thing? And which is very normal for captain and vice captain to have that conversation but just this sort of look of confusion on his face and the biting of the nails and the and then the bowlers the senior bowlers start changing the field the way that they want it to be changed as well there doesn't seem to be that cohesion that leadership that there has been in the past on the field he, he, he is struggling isn't he and uh, particularly it gets highlighted particularly when England lose and the, and he's not scoring any runs the pressure seems to weigh heavily on his shoulders and uh, look it's a very inexperienced England batting lineup. there's not a lot of guys there that have played a lot of test matches a lot of pressures on Joe Root to score runs and maybe that's what he should be best focused on because he just doesn't inspire you to sort of follow him into battle does he and I'm sure you know when a, where Ben Stokes is a guy that grabs the game uh, and takes it forward, whether he's bowling, batting or field. Ben Stokes is kind of the uh, emotional leader of that team. And when he wants the sort of the nous or the lack of nous from Joe Root, he's there not, not giving much, yeah. isn't he? He's not, he's not, you know, you know, Stuart Broad's going to sort of manage the bowlers of Jimmy Anderson there. Those two are going to set their fields, they're going to bowl to a plan. And then, you know, what's Joe Root doing? But as Ben Stokes says, it's not really another player that you give the, give, give the captain to. Stuart Broad, maybe. 
uh, ben, ben Stokes, we know he's had his off-the-field instance, so I think they're reluctant to give him the leadership role. But as an England supporter, Tom, you look at that batting lineup: Dominic Sibley, Joe Dentley, Zach Crawley, Ollie Pope. I mean, it's pretty scarily Pura. lacking of experience and lacking of lacking of form. And New Zealand are actually teaching a bit of a lesson back at back. I'm not going to lay everything, all the, lay, the, the blame at Joe Root's feet, because I think that a lot has to be... I think we have to ask a question about England, English management as well. I mean, who is... Who is managing this team? Who is who is pulling the strings? Who's picking the team at the moment as well? Is it Chris Silverwood? Is it Graham Thorpe? What input's he having? Is it Joe Root? If Joe Root's getting more of a sort of say, as it were, uh, on, on, on the management and the makeup of this team, surely that's wrong. There needs to be more leadership from above because some of these decisions this team are just mind-boggling. Zach Crawley is an opening batsman. He's batting at number six yeah. in the test team. He's an opening batsman. He's a plodding opener. In county cricket, he, 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 he averages 30, scores slowly at a very r- a low rate. Ollie Pope has kept six times in his professional career uh, at first-class level. The last time he did it was about seven years ago or oh. something like that. And you look at that team there, how, how, how Johnny Bearstow doesn't get into that top 11 he's still there. batsman cricketers. He's still there in, <laughs> in New Zealand. OK, yeah, they dropped him for the series, but he's still there. And he's a world-class performer in, in multiple formats. And, and for not getting a game in the England Test lineup, which some of those youngsters exposed there is just a shambles. And unfortunately, Chris Silverwood, uh, the new coach, taken over from Trevor Bayliss, has actually had to return to England. He's had a family bereavement. So uh, you can't lay too much of the blame at the new coach's door. But on tour, what tends to happen is Joe Root will have a big say in the team that he wants and gets and gets selected to because ultimately the responsibility is on him so he's going to have to t- take a part in that but we do have some more action we have a goal in the Premier League yeah this late one from Turf Moor the first oh, half as it's well poor. it's poor 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 from an England goalkeeper Nick Pope it is who really should be keeping this one out it comes at Turf Moor Burnley nil. Crystal Palace won Wilfred Zaha couldn't hit a barn door this season he's now got two in two games because it's he that has opened the scoring for Crystal Palace down this left hand side he goes at the fullback. he'll always look to be direct with Wilfred Zaha he twists and turns full bars leaves no chance he gets it in on his left hand side not the stronger side of Wilfred Zaha I should point out he gets his shot off it's near post Nick just needs to get down a bit quicker doesn't get down quick enough and the ball goes into the net. Nick Pope will be devastated with that. He's better than that. That shouldn't have been a goal. It should be nil-nil. As it is, Palace lead at Turf Moor. It's Burnley nil. Crystal Palace won. Right, let's take a break. When we come back, we will give you live scores from the world of football. We'll have a look at those halftime scores as well in many parts of the world. Rugby live scores for you. And we talk Formula One with our very special guest, uh, Mr. Damon Reid, who's down there uh, working at the circuit. We'll get the latest from him. This is The Grill. Get involved with Dubai Eye on Facebook. You're listening to Dubai Eye 103.8, listening to The Grill, broadcasting live from Barasti. Great crowd, got to say it. Yeah. Massive crowd in tonight. Really good vocal Pumping crowd. down here, isn't it? It's good fun, isn't it? Yeah, there's a really good crowd in for the football as well. Uh, Barasti after dark. A sight to be seen. Get yourself down here to watch all the latest in the world of sport. Let's give you an update from the rugby. Uh, Wales lead the Barbarians by 19 points to 7 in their uh, uncapped international uh, down at the Principality. What's happening in the Gallagher Prem? Yeah, three matches taking place in the English Premiership. I can tell you, extra Chiefs are at home to Wasps and they lead them uh, just after half-time, 10 points to three. Northampton Saints are taking on Leicester Tigers in the Midlands derby. Northampton lead that match 24 points to 10 just after half-time. And Worcester are at home to Sale Sharks and Sale lead there. It was a Fafta Clerk 
try, of course, who else would it be? Not wearing his budgie smugglers, but they are leading 10 points to three against Worcester. One match has started early in the top 14 over in France. I can tell you that Racing 92 lead Bordeaux Bagels 27 points to 17. Uh, Benetton also uh, playing against the Cardiff Blues as well in the Guinness Pro 14 and Benetton leading Cardiff Blues by 15 points to 10 uh, at halftime in that one. Uh, Abu Dhabi Grand Prix weekend, lots to look forward to. This is a race that rarely uh, fails to deliver some sort of talking point. And that is the Renault of Hulkenberg going over and over and over and out of this race. And that is Nico Hulkenberg against the barrier, taking a tumble and being punted off the track. I'm hanging here like a cow. Yeah. Get me out of this fire. Yeah. This fire. It's all right, they're coming. They're coming. Everything okay now? You've been checked over in the medical centre, all fine? Yeah, yeah. They did more than check me over. I think I had a complete checkup, so I'm, I'm good for another year now. Hamilton holding up his teammate. It's like the brakes have jammed on his car. Lewis, this is Paddy. We need you to pick up the pace to win this race. That's the instruction. I don't know then. I think he's ignoring every instruction. You can't help but feel this is the end of a not very beautiful relationship between Hamilton and Rosberg. Lewis Hamilton wins the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Nico Rosberg is second. He takes the championship 34 years after his father. It's like father, it's like son for the Rosbergs. We've got two Mercedes side by side and they make contact. Michael Schumacher around. Will he? Oh! The fixed has gone straight into him as well. What a dramatic start. It is just the sweetest of kisses on the back. And here we go. Oh, that's so scary. I don't like to see that. He had nowhere to go, did he, Liotzi? No, he was kind of hemmed in, wasn't he? Yeah. The brake pedal might have been an option, but I'm sure he was using that anyway. Gaining a pace, there's Nico Rosberg, and we've got Vettel off with a puncture. Sebastian Vettel punctured right rear, has not even made it down to turn five. How would he get a puncture so quickly? He goes up through the gears, he's already got the puncture as he turns into turn two. So, was that damage from running on the curb on the exit of turn one? Vettel comes into the pits, and his luck has run out. Never thought I'd be saying that this year. Carter Rosberg arriving at huge speed and then going over the top. Yeah, Carter Kane was in the middle of blowing up, I think, and it just caught Nico out, unsighted. And you can just see the smoke beginning to come out. I'm pretty sure that the HRT was about to break down, and that's a big crash. And both drivers okay, which is great to see. That should whet the appetite ahead of the final race of the 2019 season down at Yas Marina Circuit tomorrow evening. One man who will have a front row view and has had just that across the season. Commentating for NBC Action is the one and only Damien Reid and he joins us now live on the line. Damo, very good evening to you, my man. Yeah, good evening, guys. Great to have you on the line, Damo. You've enjoyed it this season in the commentary box, haven't you? It's been a magic season uh, to, to be in the box and... and yeah, very lucky to, to, to get that up, particularly this year, because there's just been 
been the closest year, apart from uh, obviously the, the championship winning, but it's been the closest year in the midfield that I can ever remember. It's a tenth of a second covering nine, ten cars. It's been sensational racing this year. It certainly has, Demo. Let's talk about what we witnessed a little earlier this evening. No real surprise, this one, an 88th pole of his career. Lewis Hamilton just doing what he does best, right? Yeah, I mean, you say no surprise because he's, you know, he, he loves his place and he's, he's, he just seems to rack up pole positions here and so does Mercedes-Benz. But he actually broke a drought. He hasn't had a pole position since... Uh, since the summer break in August, back in back in uh, Germany in July was his last pole position, and um, it's Ferrari that actually has more pole positions here. So uh, they've had six so far, and up until today, this has been the fewest number by a title-winning driver since Jensen Button back in 2009. So it's been a bit of a tough second half of the year from them, to be honest, despite what you see on the on, in the record books. But uh, that's why he was so happy there tonight. He's, he, he, he got this one when he needed it right at the end of the season. And it is a Mercedes 1-2 demo. Max Verstappen in third. Ferrari, you say that they've got a rich history here in the UAE. They've done well on the Yas Marina circuit in the past. It's been a year. How do you sum up? We'll get to Mercedes in a second. How do you sum up Ferrari's year? I... I I, uh, you know what, I think tonight actually just summed it up beautifully. Missed opportunities is the way I put Ferrari's season this year. They've got the most powerful engine, arguably the, the, the best chassis, and uh, they've just made some really bad errors, both behind the wheel from the drivers, but also from a, from a strategical point. And they did it again tonight. They, they absolutely blew qualifying. Uh, they didn't have the outright pace, so it's, it's, it's questionable to think they would have got pole anyway. But they just missed a very easy opportunity tonight by, uh, you know, Charles Leclerc missing his last chance to go for his quali run. Checkered flag came out literally as he came around the final corner, missed his chance. And that, that's been the story of their year, just missed opportunities. Damo, great to have you. It's going to be a cracking race tomorrow. Listen, just want to get your thoughts on Lewis Hamilton. We often on Sports Tonight or Extra Time or in the grill, we all often talk about Lewis what a career he's had. 88th pole of his career in Abu Dhabi tomorrow. But why are so many people indifferent to him? Just what, why do people have not really warmed to him? Why, why is he not really the, what I would term a global superstar like he should be? I, you know what, it's one of the big mysteries, isn't it? I mean, this, this guy is, is arguably the, the greatest sportsman that England's produced this year, I'd have to say. Um, there's been some, and, then, and that's really putting up because England's been a very strong country in sport this year, and uh, you know it just doesn't seem to be getting the recognition that perhaps the you know the, the same recognition that the England's rugby team have been getting or, or the, the cricket team have been getting. It's uh, it's a strange one, I, and I think you know what I think a fair bit has goes down to the, of the to television rights. You know, it's not um, a free to air viewing in Europe and 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 in the UK. You can't just sit down and put the TV on and, and watch a, a Grand Prix unless you're subscribed to a channel. But you can watch international rugby and international cricket and other international sports and the Olympics and all the other sports that make these people household names. Here, you have... Oh, sorry, not here, but in the UK, you have to be a subscriber and a dedicated F1 fan to watch any Formula One there. And I think that has a big impact on his popularity in general amongst the community. 
Note that Lewis Hamilton will be complaining, of course. An 88th pole. He's closing in on Michael Schumacher's record of 92 race wins, Demo. He's on to six world titles. His issues pale into insignificance when compared and contrasted with Sebastian Vettel. We've had you on the show over the course of the last few weeks and months, Demo. You've been an absolute trooper for that. You've got a theory that we might just be about to see the last of Vettel. What are you hearing paddock side, track side this weekend? Is Vettel going to be back for 2020? Yeah, I think, Chris, last time we spoke, I was of the opinion that, yep, it might be the last one. But I've, I've now, I think things are turning. He wants to stay around for, for another season. Everyone, every driver's contract is up for renewal at the end of next year. And uh, he, he said this morning that he definitely wants to stay around and, and do more. Um, the reason I was sort of suggesting that was because the first half of this season was so incredibly poor for those guys. And then his father started appearing at a few races. And even today, he's here this week in Abu Dhabi, um, his father. And, and uh, I think, he, I don't know, he's, he's giving indications he might stay around. But then you throw another uh, uh, aspect into the equation and he just became a father again for the third time uh, three days ago. So, you know, that always costs you a few tenths of a second. So you, you, know, you never know. You never know. <laughs> And Damo, you've been you've been you know part of the season uh, with your commentary. You you really sort of got your your ears to the ground there. Just give us something uh, to wrap things up. What what are you hearing in, in in pit lane? What are you hearing in the paddock? Give us give us give us a bit of gossip. We we love you uh, for a bit of information here. Who's going to be driving where next season? Any big bits of news coming coming to the fore as we wrap up the Formula One season? Yeah, well, I think. Um I mean, on the driver front, everything's everything's settled. Everything's locked in for next year, and all, and all the drivers uh, have been placed. So it's looking like it. Yeah, it's 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 going to be farewell to Nico Hulkenberg, farewell to Robert Kubica, um, Nicholas Latifi, who's stepping in to replace Kubica, Esteban Ocon stepping in to replace uh, Nico Hulkenberg, and that's really the only major changes there. Every as I said before, everyone's contract is is up for grabs at the end of next year. That's going to be the big one. Also, the new the new rules, the new uh, rules. Re- concerning the cars is up for the end of next year. Now, the big thing out of this is which manufacturers are going to stay and which are going to go. I'm hearing a lot of things about perhaps Renault might be uh, might be pulling the plug. They may stay as an engine supplier, but as a team, they might be pulling out. And likewise, the big one that came out recently, uh, an interview in Autobild, a German newspaper, is that Mercedes-Benz may call time at the end of next season. Remain as an engine supplier, but... According to, to Mercedes management, how many world titles do they need to win to prove themselves? They've got six, maybe seven by the end of next year. Perhaps divert those funds into Formula E, the growing electric vehicle uh, motor racing category and other areas. Now, this did, both of those with Renault and Mercedes are coming from the, the corporate side of things, saying, well, Renault's had a pretty rough, rough year selling cars. They need that money to perhaps to go into other areas of, of, air, of, uh, of uh, sponsorship and development for their road cars. And likewise with Mercedes-Benz, it's coming from a much higher managerial position than, than motorsport. So, and, and to throw a bit more weight onto the Mercedes side of things, Toto Wolff's contract himself is up for renewal at the end of, this year, end of next year. And uh, he took the Brazilian Grand Prix off for the first time. He said today, he said, just, I just wanted to see what it would feel like to not be at a race. Lewis Hamilton came in and said, well, I don't want to re-sign with Mercedes until I know what Toto's doing because we're such a good team. Matteo Benotto from Ferrari said, well, talk to us we'll take you but you know what i mean it's um there's so much going on above the driver levels that renault and and uh, mercedes-benz they're question marks on whether they'll continue from 2021 
It makes for an absorbing end of season is what it does off-season demo. I know we're going to be catching up with you post-race tomorrow to get your thoughts on what we witnessed down in Abu Dhabi. Before we let you leave, though, in a word, who wins tomorrow? Give me a surname. Who who comes away with the final race of the year? Uh, it, you know, it, it has to be Hamilton. I'd say Hamilton or Verstappen, but the way things are going at the moment, the way Mercedes love that track in the hybrid era, you have to say Hamilton, don't you? Yeah, I'm with you on that. The race tomorrow, Demo. I'm right in saying you're in the commentary box. Ten past five? Yep, the uh, lights go out ten past five, so so we'll be there all live, ready to go. NBC action, calling it right the way through to the checkered flag. It's the place to be. We've thoroughly enjoyed listening to your dulcet tones, Demo, throughout the season. You've done an incredible job. Keep up the good work. We'll catch up with you again tomorrow. But if you want to follow the F1, NBC action, ten past five tomorrow evening. Demo, bless you, my man. Thank you. Enjoy your evening. Thanks very much, guys, and, and thanks to Dubai Eye. Fantastic support for Formula 1 this season. As usual, always. Thanks very much, guys. 20 Durham's in the post, demo. Cheers for that, my man. <laughs> thanks. There's just so much more to hear. Download our podcasts at DubaiEye1038.com.